Amen. So thank you, Lord. So one of the things that's I'm going to read the scripture, John 14, 17, and 18. Usually we just read this verse, just 17, but I was thinking about 18 a lot also. It says, The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. Anybody want to say amen to that? Well, that's a good thing. I like to eat and drink, but I'm just glad that God's not limited to eating and drinking. But this is what the kingdom of God is. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So anytime we set our hearts towards those three things, we're setting our hearts towards the kingdom. Okay, And we should be experiencing righteousness, peace, and joy on an ongoing basis just like we experience eating and drinking on an ongoing basis. Right, that's what he was. That's why he was giving the comparison there, letting us know that that these the the righteousness of Christ, the peace of God which passes all understanding, and the joy of the Lord is meant to be an ongoing thing in Christians' lives. Would anybody agree with that? And so, then he says in verse eighteen, he says, "For he who serves Christ in these things, in those three things." is acceptable to God and approved by men. Is acceptable to God and approved by men. In other words, what Paul was saying is this this is what God approves of. This is what God is looking for in His people, and He's looking for us to see these things come forth in our life in a greater way. The revelation of, of righteousness in Christ, the revelation of the peace of God, and the revelation of joy, the joy of the Lord. Okay? So, now here's something. This, one of the things that we've seen happen in, in, in any move of God, there is a joy of the Lord released. In fact, I have determined, why are people so daggone crazy about the move of God? It's, it really, at the end of the day, it's about the joy of the Lord. At the end of the day, because the Bible says, in the presence of God is the fullness of joy. When God visits people in a unique way and where He manifests Himself in a greater way to, to people, there is always going to be joy as a, as a byproduct, so to speak. But really, the Lord Himself is joy. And so when the Lord comes, there's going to be joy. Okay? And I think that's one of the reasons the move of God is so addicting. Because joy is addicting. You know, if there's any addiction we should ever have, it's the addiction to the joy of the Lord. It's the addiction to God's presence where we seek that. And, we, and, and I've watched people over the years just get so off, the, off base on all that. You know, you just want to slap them. But the truth is there's something in them crying out. They're, they're crying out for something they were created for. We were created for righteousness, peace, and joy. And we, in, in our Christian life, will never be the way it's supposed to be until we begin to continually experience those like we experience eating and drinking. Now, here's the thing. God moves in, in like the wind. Sometimes the wind blows hard, and you can see it blowing. You can see the trees moving and all that. Sometimes there's a, just a gentle breeze, and you really can't hardly perceive it, right? But the wind, if you took the wind off the earth the earth would be in big trouble real quick. Something bad would happen. So there's always a breath of God being released. Always, okay? And therein is where we can capture that joy. In other words, what I'm saying to you this morning is God wants to teach us how to be joyful people, 
regardless of if the wind's blowing hard or if the wind is a still small voice wind, if it's a gentle breeze kind of wind. He wants to teach us how to tap into the joy of the Lord and, and let the joy of the Lord be the thing in our life. Okay, I, and the reason I, I feel like this is so uh, important because I've realized in my life j- the joy of the Lord has been like the low, you know, sort of down the list of things that were important to me. And God began to speak to me at my worst moments when we were going through some of our worst times. And this is what he was telling me. The only way you're going to be able to get through this and bear this is you've got to find joy. You've got to find joy. And I was like, well, how can I find joy, Lord, when everything's going bad? When everything is collapsing, when people are, are dying, when trouble has come in full force and seems to be overtaken, where, how can I find joy? Well, first of all, he wanted to differentiate between happiness and joy, okay, because there's a big difference. Happiness is an awesome thing, by the way, and anybody who says that Christians shouldn't be happy has not read the scriptures adequately. Jesus was probably one of the most happy people that ever walked the earth, and all the Beatitudes in the Bible, it's where it says, blessed are you, it literally means happy are you. That's what it means. I mean, so get over the religion of unhappiness. Okay, the world needs some happiness, but I think the world needs something even more than happiness is joy. Because I believe we can live a life that's not that where our circumstances do, do, does not rule us and rule what's happening within us. Because joy is an inward thing. Joy, in fact, I'm going to just say this, joy is part of our, in our birthright as Christians. And so I've been really fascinated with joy for for a while now, and really like, Lord, I feel like you're talking to me about joy, but is this really you, Lord? Is this Can this be you? And I feel like the Lord over and over has been confirming and affirming to me personally that joy is what God is interested in this time right now. This is high on his agenda. This is high on his list that he wants people to come into a joyful experience with him. Okay, I believe that with all my heart. And I got, in fact, I was watching television last night, watching a football game, and a movie that's coming on. I was watching, I was trying to kind of watch the movie over kids screaming and, you know, being all trying to watch what the movie, and the name of the movie is Joy. That's the name of the movie, Joy. And I don't think it's about the birth of Christ. It's not a Christmas movie, in other words. It's a movie, I don't know what it's about, but I like the name of it. You know, it's a good name. Uh, this is what Jesus said, uh, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you. In other words, all the red stuff in the Bible and all the stuff afterwards is that we would receive his joy and that your joy may be full. See, God's looking for people that are full, overflowing with joy. This is, this is what Jesus said. I wanted to read this verse uh, in Nehemiah, which is a very famous verse, uh, Nehemiah 8.10. Then he said to them, go your way. They had just finished building the wall. You know, it was a party and, you know, there was people crying and, you know, there's all kinds of things going on. But then he said to them, go your way. Eat the fat. Drink the sweet. That sounds fun, don't it? Fat. You know, eat the good portion. Eat some sweets, some cakes. I love sweets. And send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our God. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord. In other words, there's a time of sorrow. 
there's days of sorrow. There's times where we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We can, we'll never escape those things in this life. But there's also a time where, where the Lord says, this is, this is not a time of sorrow. This is a time of joy. Oh, the religious spirit would have you, know, have you think different about that. The religious spirit loves a somber, unjoyful, not unhappy bunch because it can control you. Uh, but God is interested in a joyful. Church must become a celebration. We're in a season of celebration. You might say, well, I can't. how am I going to celebrate? i got these things. But God is saying to us, I will show you how to tap into my joy, even in your worst moment. I believe that with all my heart because he's been doing it for me, and I'm Mr. Unjoyful. Okay? You know, the Bible says God wants us, us to serve him with joy and gladness of heart. That comes from Psalm 100. And I'm going to tell you this. You cannot be joyful working for God, but you can be joyful working with God. There's a huge difference in working for God. God doesn't need anybody to work for him. He's not hiring nobody. He doesn't have a business that he's hiring. He has a, he has a family that he invites people to join him and, and work with him in what he's doing. That's how he thinks. God's a family man, you know. Oh, you know, joy is one of the key aspects of Jesus' nature. That's what it says. He was anointed with the oil of joy above his fellows. That's Hebrews 1. That's Jesus. He had this anointing of joy on him, you know. And that's why people were drawn to Jesus because the joy, because they saw something in him they didn't have and that their hearts were saying, I want that. Who has ever been drawn to a sorry, miserable human being? I want that. I want to be sorrowful and miserable. I want to spend my days mourning. I don't think that's what the Bible teaches. Uh, it's the second fruit of the Holy Spirit. So we have to ask uh, Galatians 5.22. We've got to ask ourselves, if we're not joyful, like I had to face the bad reality about my life, is where's my joy? Is something's wrong with the fruit of the Spirit in my life? Somewhere in my heart, I'm not allowing this fruit to be developed in my life. Somewhere, I'm believing something that's wrong. I'm believing an opposite. I'm believing a lie. And it's not allowing this fruit called the joy of the Lord to be formed and developed inside of me. It's, it's an important thing. And the Bible also tells us, and Lord willing, one of these days, we're going to get in Isaiah. I just want to say this. Isaiah 61 is our chapter in the Bible now. Isaiah 61 it says, it says, beauty for ashes. Everything that has failed, beauty. Everything that has burned down in your life, every mistake you've made, everything, the Bible's declaring beauty for ashes, the all of joy for mourning. If you've gone through a season of mourning, or if you're in a season of mourning, God is promising you an anointing of joy. He, even in the midst of your mourning, and the devil, when the devil sees that, you can bet on one thing. He is going to run hard because he will not mess with the joy of the Lord. Beautiful as is all the joy, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That you might be trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And you will rebuild, restore, renew. That's what it talks about. That's what the people of God who's come into this joy experience, they will change their atmosphere. They will change their culture. God wants to change the culture of this church. And he wants to bring an atmosphere of joy into this place where people walk in the door and they feel God's presence. And God's presence is always going to be accompanied by joy. Always. And we have to allow him to have his way there. We have to give him 
not just in the times when the Holy Spirit is just roaring through and we're all just thrown out and, you know, and laughing and happy and God's doing all this stuff, but all the time because God is saying, I'm available all the time. Reach up and pull down the attic stairs of joy and get it to working in your life. That's what he's asking us to do. Well, that's what he's been asking me to do for months now. Well, I was reading this little book here recently. It's called Joy Starts Here. It's by several authors, but one of the authors, we know the daughter. It's Edward M. Corey. We do know the daughter. Let me read something, and I'll tell you a little bit more. This is a, a paragraph out of this book, and I thought it was just amazing. That's as far as I got. I got to that first page, and I stopped there and thought, i got to think about this. It says, joy is relational. See, he's talking about some practicalities of joy. Joy is contagious. Joy is transforming. Joy starts with a smile. You may say, well, how's that in the Bible? Well, there's an intentionality about joy. There's a choosing of joy, and we can release it with a smile. Joy helps our brain grow better than any health food. I could deal with that. I'm telling you, I could just love to eat cake and stuff like that, and my brain could grow because I was feeding on joy. Joy reduces stress. Joy has more social impact than looking sexy. Now, if you're a man, you may not think that. Maybe more looking masculine, looking, you know, lumbersexual, whatever they call it, you know. You know, there's metrosexual and there's lumbersexual. Anyways, that's stuff that people have told me. Anyways, but joy is, has more impact than looking anyway. Joy can do something that you can't create on the outside. Joy improves our immune system more than exercise. So if you're lazy and don't want to exercise, get the joy of the Lord and let it just be your thing. You know, like, Lord, just let me just lose this extra weight and put some muscle from the joy. I don't know if that would really work, but it, I believe it could improve our immune system. Joy protects marriages. Wow. Think about it. Joy protects marriages. Boy, you want a good marriage? Get some joy in the house. Joy raises brighter, more resilient children. Isn't that cool? More brighter. Joy improves resist resiliency after disasters. In other words, joy says disasters are going to happen, but you can come back stronger than you went into that disaster. Where the enemy tried to take you out, you can come back as a joyful person, full of joy. I believe it's the truth. Joy spreads to transform lives. Isn't that amazing? Joy spreads. See, that's what God wants to do is He wants to transform life. He wants to release His joy into the earth. I said these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Isn't that amazing, beautiful thought that Jesus had? If you go through the Scripture, there's many ways joy is released. Many, many ways. You'd be astounded. I remember when I bought my car, it was silver. It's, it is silver. It's kind of faded looking. It was a Honda. And I never even think, I thought, oh, I love that color. Nobody has that color. I, you know, because I just thought that was a special color until I got the car and was driving down the road. And everywhere I looked, I saw silver cars. And when God began to speak to me about joy, every time I opened the Bible, there's the joy. I invite a person to come. A person wants to come speak to beg. What are they coming? They walk coming, walking in the door, talking about joy. I'm watching TV. There's a movie advertisement. It's joy. God is saying it's everywhere. Joy is everywhere God is. And the question he was asking me, if my joy is everywhere I am and I am with you, where's your joy? Anyways, 
here's another statement from this book. Both the Bible and neuroscience, this, is, this was a mind-boggling thought. Both the Bible and neuroscience understand joy as a relational experience, a relational experience in which someone is glad to be with me. Someone is glad to be with me. Who is that someone? The Lord. That's, that's Psalm 1611. And His presence is for us. And He's glad to be with us. And He wants to convince us, everyone in this room, He wants to convince us that He's very glad. I want to be with you. We say we want to be the Lord. Well, you know, that's just a faint echo of His heart towards us. We say, Lord, we love you. That's a faint echo of what He's saying to us. See, if you start thinking about some of these songs we sing, really are, they're echoes of something God's saying to us. And it would knock people out of their stupor. You know, you know, when Becky was saying that this morning about receiving the love of God, I was thinking, in every thought that defies that I'm loved and dear to God, come against it. Don't you dare let that thought sit on your heart. You know, because there's a billion thoughts that the devil has that he'll use on you. He has, he is, has an innumerable thoughts and situations that he'll throw at you to show you how much God doesn't love you and how much God isn't glad to be with you, but they're all lies. And the problem is people believe them. Christians believe them. Good people, people who've experienced God, believe lies. And they keep us from entering in to all that he has. It also said in that book, our brains were designed for joy. Isn't that cool? Our brains were designed for joy. In other words, when God created us originally, He didn't create a bunch of slumbering, old crummy minds. He created a mind that was built to experience joy. And that's what the renewed mind of Christ is. Because Christ was joyful. And when His mind comes into our mind, joy will happen. Okay, well I wanted to say all that. uh, And also I wanted to bring up this is not the book any of that was in. I just quoted to you, by the way. This is a book called The Bridges of Kara. Kara is the Greek word. No, it's the Hebrew word for joy. And it just so happens that the person who wrote this book comes to this church. But she's not here today. How many people in here know Denny? Raise your hand. Hutala. It sounds like Hawaiian, but it's Finnish, I found out. Well, she wrote this book. It's called The Bridge, and it's an allegory of your brain's emotional landscape. An allegory of your brain's emotional landscape. Let me just read a couple of things off the back. I haven't read the book, but I'm recommending it based on her. Isn't it interesting that you can meet somebody, and you, and you have a conversation with it, and you realize you're all on the same page spiritually. Everything that you value, they value. Everything that's important to you is important to them. But they got there completely different. They got there through another revelation. And that's what I realized about her. Wow, you got the same revelations we have. You feel the same way we did. But she didn't get there the way we got there. She got there through a revelation of joy. That's how she got there. It says, here's a couple of things she says on the back. Escape the confusion of, a, of emotional outbursts by understanding what the brain needs to process feelings effectively. That's pretty good. Recognize the places in your life where you've had joy, the places where you've longed for joy, and take a hold of a new roadmap for a joy-filled life. A new roadmap. Consider new ideals for allowing the Holy Spirit to assist you with the places where you felt stuck in negative emotions. You see, 
although joy is not necessarily emotion, it has a big impact on our emotions, a major impact on our emotions. Because you can be in sad circumstances, but if you've got the joy of the Lord, it can help you deal with those emotions in a healthy way. Because as we all should know in this room, emotions, even, even sadness, sorrow, heart stuff, all that's from the Lord. The Lord gave us those emotions to help us understand what's going on in our hearts and deal with it effectively. Are you all with that? Gain you understandings for your relationships as you examine this model of the brain's design for joy. I think that's amazing. So, Danny, God bless you. Here's my plug for your book. It's on uh, Amazon. And her last name is H-U-T-T-U-L-A. I would recommend you buy the book. I, like I said, I haven't read it. It's an allegory, so it's not like a teaching book. It's more of an allegory, which would be an enjoyable read for many people who don't like reading teaching books. Some people hate reading, like, ugh, you know, books that just like reading a textbook. The other book I was quoting from is a textbook, uh, you know, anyways. Huh? The other book, is, this one or the other one? The other one is um, Joy Starts Here in Edward Corey, K-H-O-U-R-I, which is Denny's dad, is one of the authors of this book. It's a very in-depth, you know, shoot them up, bang them up book. And, he, and she was telling this, that he... This man was healed miraculously of some what she called fibromyalgia times a hundred, where he couldn't even walk. He was, and God healed him instantly. He got up out of a wheelchair instantly, and and a lot of that had to do with the joy of the Lord. Anyways, yeah, it is, and I just wanted to say that because I feel like that, you know, God, you know, it was really the Lord. Because little did she know, right before Becky and I met with her, I had been praying, Lord, I really believe I want to talk. This joy thing has got a hold of my heart, but I just don't want to just be blabbing about something that you're not blabbing about. Is this really you, Lord? All this stuff that I have felt in my heart about my own lack of joy, somehow let me know this is really you, not just me hoping to have something. And she walks in the door and she starts talking to us about the joy of the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Well, I wanted to give you this scripture here. Well, I spent a lot of time on that, didn't I? Yeah. Oh, we're going to be, mm, anyways, I'm not going to talk. I'm just going to be quiet. I want to talk to you about one big hindrance to joy. And to me, this is bottom line. Uh, and I love this scripture, Romans 15, 13. Um, it says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy. The God of hope. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. In what? In believing. Now, that should tell us something this morning. It should tell us one of the dangers that we come into this life, the thing that will hinder us is not somebody acting bad, not our circumstances being bad, not America going down the tubes, not worried about us, all that. It's, our, it's your belief system. Your belief system will keep you out of God's peace and joy. And if you're a person who suffers this morning with anxiety, and it's not some kind of biological, you know, sickness or something. But if it's really a true, you know, you're just worried and stressful about the future. You have to get something. You've got to find out what lie you're believing. Because there's something you're believing that's keeping you knotted up. And it's keeping the peace of God or the joy of the Lord being released into your life. And that's really what this scripture says. That you may abound in hope 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that powerful? Arthur Burke taught us years for years, and he never gave us this scripture here, but here it is. Your believing rules you. You don't rule your believing. In other words, your believing is going to rule your life. If you're believing a lie, a lie's ruling you. How many people knew that? How many people in this room, do you realize that there's stuff you're believing about God, about other people, and about the world around you that's binding you, that's hurting you, because your believing rules you. You don't rule what you believe. Your believing rules your life. It decides who you're friends with. It decides your spirituality. It decides everything. Everything about you. People did not believe Jesus Christ was God. When he came and walked on the earth in front of them, they, they, it ruled their life. And they wound up killing him or ascending to him being killed. Are you okay? All right, anyways. Abba, amen. What we determine to do with our lives is based on what we believe about God and what we believe about ourselves. I'm telling you. And so it'll lock you out. It'll lock you out. It'll lock you out of joy. And I feel like that was what was wrong with me. Let me just say this. I grew up in a culture as a kid that be, somehow, I don't know, but being happy, acting, and being joyful, whatever, I, I didn't even know what that meant. But somehow in my mind, I, that was construed as weakness. You had to be mean. You had to be tough. You know, that's how you survived that world. And so it, that was a lie, I believed. And so I walked around with a scowl on my face because everybody else had scowls on their face. And who had the biggest scowl and the biggest biceps was the ruler in those days. You know? But that's the sort of the way it was. But see, this lie was driving me. It was driving my life. God wants to free us from lies like that. I know that's a crazy... You might think that's a stupid lie, but it wasn't a stupid lie to an eight-year-old boy. You know? It really wasn't. And I, I really just want to emphasize that the lack of joy and peace in our hearts is not circumstantial. It's not circumstantial. It's not, oh, I'm, you know, it's because things are going bad in your life. That's the lack of happiness in your life. Happiness, or lack of happiness, when you're not happy, it's because fa- your circumstances are not favorable. Okay? So it has nothing to do with circumstances. It has everything to do with what's going on inside of you, and it has something to do with what you're believing or not believing. Are you okay? Here's, here's a thought. You can't consistently do what you're doing if you don't believe who you are. In other words, if you don't believe you're a sincere Christian, that you love God, you can't consistently be a sincere Christian and love God. If you think you're a second-class citizen of the kingdom, but you try to act like a first-class, sooner or later you're going to run out of steam on that. You have to believe it. You see, that's how your believing rules you. If you don't believe God really loves you dearly and wants to be with you, you're not going to have joy. And you're not going to be attracted to God. And you're not going to want to give up things that God may ask you to give up. Me too. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And this is not being in denial. Okay? We're not talking about being in denial. We're just talking about letting who you really are come forth. And letting that joy of who you were created to be, a joyful creature, letting that come forth in your life. Here's one of the things that's really I've thought about a lot. It has to do with religion. Religion. 
You can't be joyful or peaceful if you're religious. Now, I know everybody in this room is like, I'm not religious, I'm not religious. How many people in here are perfectionists? Raise your hand. If you're a perfectionist, you've got some religion working on you. Here's, what a, here, here's a great example of that. See, it'll never, you'll never get there with it. Read one chapter in the Bible. I read one chapter in the Bible. Here's this thought. I should have read two. That's, that's a religious thought. Oh, I prayed an hour this morning. Should have prayed two. And I gave 50 bucks at church. Should have gave 100, Palmer. <laughs> you see, that's how religion works. It's never good enough. Are you a person in your life that's never good enough? Your kids ain't good enough. Church ain't good enough. The preaching ain't good enough. The worship team ain't good enough. The carpet ain't good enough. The lights ain't good enough. The sound's not good enough. Nothing's good enough. You see, you're being run by a religious spirit. You know, because a religious spirit celebrates perfection. A religious spirit celebrates perfection. It wants everything to be perfect. But you know what? Here's how the Father does. He just, he celebrates people making progress. You know, it's sort of like your kids when they were babies and they were learning how to walk. Oh, hey, they made a step. This is awesome. Oh, they stumble. Oh, come on, get up, you can do this. Here's how we are. Well, you ain't doing it right, so you shouldn't be doing it. And see, that's, that's what I feel lots of times. That's what I, how I've been in my life with God. This is not good enough. How many people in here have issues in their life where they wish they didn't have? Like you might have a habit or a thought or something, and you'll go along like two or three weeks and not think it or do it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Y'all are liars if you don't. You go two or three weeks, oh, man, I'm doing so great. Thank you, Lord. And then all of a sudden you stumble. Here's what most people do when they stumble. They're back to start dead start. Oh, God, I'm just a, I'm just a sorriest person, you know, because that's religion. That's religion. And you go back, you keep starting over, over and over again. You don't have to keep starting over. You be like the little child who stumbles when he falls trying to learn how to walk. Like, it's okay. Just get up and let's just keep going. You can do this. You can walk. And when you begin to do that, guess what's going to happen? You're celebrating progress in your life because the Father celebrates. Like, well, you know, he's still thinking some bad thoughts here and there. But, man, last year at this time, he was thinking them like eight hours a day. Now he's down to six. God the Father is saying, hot dog. Look at that dude. Look at him. I'm happy about him. Now, that's not excusing sin, that's not, that's, but that's the grace of God working in a person's life and, and celebrating something that God's trying to do and to free people. That's how God thinks, by the way. So, and I'm going to tell you something. You can't celebrate other people if you're, if you're a perfectionist. You can never celebrate them. You'll never be happy with them if you're a perfectionist. They'll never be good enough. They'll always have a fault. They'll always have a flaw. They'll have an area in their life where, where they need some, some transformation. Are y'all okay? Y'all sort of looking at me badly. Yeah. Here's what I used to, I was terrible about this. I need everything to be right in church, Lord, for me to be joyful. I need this thing to be right now. I need this worship team not to be messing up. I need good preaching. I need this, this, and this. And if one thing goes wrong, you see, that's a lie. That's perfection. 
I need the United States to have the best president, the best this, this, and this, or I won't be joyful. A lie. That's a lie. You don't need that. You don't need any of that to be joyful. You really don't. And see, we believe this. We believe if certain things would happen, everything would be good. God has said, no, won't you let me do make you good right now? Make you happy, make you joyful right where you're at. He can do that. And then maybe you can begin to start spreading some of that joy to other people. And it start really beginning to impact their life. I'm, I admit I'm learning all this because I'm, I'm the worst as, as the worst. Can I just, I need to finish up right here, don't I? But how many people in here worry? Raise your hand. Hi, if you worry. Come on, tell the truth and shame the devil. Well, you know what worry is? Worry is imagining your future without God. That's what worry is. You are imagining something. Right? You're imagining something. You're imagining tomorrow without God being involved in that. Now, which tells me imagination is a powerful thing. And it's a place where God wants to, that's what he was telling me. You got some bad imaginations. Okay, you're imagining stuff that really you shouldn't be imagining. Anybody else do that kind of stuff? You're, I mean, you can apply it to any area of your life. I'm being nice about the worry. Okay, I could, I could give you some bad imaginations. Okay, let me read this scripture, Romans one twenty one. It says, because they knew, y'all know this, this is amplified. Because they knew God, because they knew and recognized Him as God, they did not honor and glorify Him as God or give Him thanks. But instead they became futile and godless in their thinking, listen, with vain imaginings, foolish reasoning, stupid speculations. And their senseless minds were darkened. Their senseless minds were darkened. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Vain imagining. Vain imagining. See, our imagination was created not for worry, but for faith. That's what our imagination was created. And see, what God wants to do, and this is what joy does. Joy gets into your imagination. Okay, when I begin to really cultivate joy in my life, I begin to have different kinds of imaginations. I begin to see things that I wasn't seeing before in, the, in, in my imagination. Don't think of imagination as a silly thing. It's a part of who you are. It's a part of how God wants to reveal himself to you and how God wants to show you what your future is. Because he talked about may you abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't live a hope-filled future if you have a bad imagination. If you're all worried, if you're all messed up in your imagination, if your imagination is not seeing things that God really wants you to see, you can't create the life God called you to create without vain imagination. You'll create a bad life. And see, what the joy of the Lord, when the joy of the Lord begins to operate in your heart, your imagination begins to change. You stop thinking about the bad that could happen and start thinking about what God could do and what God may want to do and how God may want to change some things for you and how God may want to give you a better future than you're thinking He does. Because see, our faith wants to attach itself to something it can look into and see into. And that's how your imagination works. It works with faith. And if you're having a crummy imagination, your faith is not going to be very good. You're going to have a faith for some bad stuff. Are y'all all right? Because y'all are looking at me like, gone. please let me out of here. <laughs> I wanted to read this to you. I wanted to read this to you. Huh? Anyways. 
if you think about Jesus, he used the imagination. He worked on people's imagination constantly. What were parables all about? They were pictures he was telling with his mouth. Stories he was trying to get people to see something. Because as he told them, their imagination went to work and began to draw that picture in their minds to get what he was saying. Because he knew the power of imagination. See, the Bible is a book of imagination. But we have relegated it to to children's tales or or witchcraft or something ridiculous because I'll tell you why I think. is because we not have the joy of the Lord flowing in our hearts. And when we get the joy flowing, the imagination comes alive. This is what Albert Einstein said about imagination. I thought it was pretty good. Imagination is more important than knowledge. This is Albert Einstein. He was a smart guy. He had lots of knowledge. And he was saying imagination is more important than knowledge. For knowledge is limited to all we know and understand, while imagination embraces the entire world and all there ever will be to know and understand. Isn't that powerful? In fact, Einstein became brilliant through imagination. That's how he created this this IQ that he got. He he was not a, a, a remarkable student in high school or college. Until he started tapping into the spiritual realm and getting his imagination working. And when his imagination began to work, his IQ went up. And he began to see things other people couldn't see. He began to hear things other people couldn't hear. God was revealing things to him. And he was able to discern what was happening from a scientific perspective. See, this, this is not just, just spiritual if you're in the world working at something, God wants to make you brilliant and beautiful in that realm. And I think the joy of the Lord is tied to it. So what we had to do is we've got to give, give our imaginations to God. That's what I've been doing. All right, Lord, I want you to have my imagination. I want you to have my imagination. I, I'm submitting it to you because I want the joy of the Lord to come on my imagination. Because I believe the God of all hope gives joy and peace and believing. And I want to quit believing stuff about my future and about my present. Let me say one more thing. Are y'all all right? Yeah. One more thing. One more thing. Y'all who know who Doug Addison is, right? He's this prophetic guy. It's kind of funny. He was a, he's also a guy. He's a, he's a comedian. He actually does comedy. You know, yeah, he's a comedian. Uh, but he's also really prophetic, and he's had some amazing prophetic words. But this is one he said this past week. Don't let the past dictate what God is doing now. Don't let the past dictate what God is doing now. Isn't that amazing? See, here's a lot of Christians. Our, our whole life is, is circling around our past about what God did, how it didn't work out. I can't never do anything else because I blew it the last time. That's a lie. You're letting the past dictate you. And and see, the God of hope looks to the future. He's forgotten your past. He's forgotten your failures. He doesn't want you to linger there. He wants you to have hope about where you're going, about what you're putting your hands to now. He wants you to have bigger dreams than you had before. Just because you can't explain why it didn't work in the past, well, who cares? What if a little baby lived from its past? It would be terrible. They would never learn to talk because in their past they didn't talk, right? They would never learn to walk because in their past they never walked, right? 
You see what I'm saying? But what did they do? They look, look at their parents, right? That's how they learn. They look at their parents. They see their parents talking. They see their parents walking. They see their parents doing things. And they try to emulate them instead of what they are, what, where they've been. They try to become like what they're looking at. And you see, when we live out of our past, we're not living the biblical way. You know, we're already seated with Christ in heavenly places. We're already perfected in Christ. We need to start looking at that. The Bible says, as He is, so are we in this world right now. So we need to begin to look at that and emulate that and stumble around and crawl around and fumble around. But no, God is celebrating that stumbling and fumbling that gives you hope about where you're going. And He's not mad at you when you fail. And you, or you misunderstand him. He's not upset. Hey, Johnny, go, go uh, turn the television off. He goes and turns it up wide open. Are you going to be mad because he, little Johnny, met? no. You're going to say, uh-uh, I said turn it down, turn it off, not wide open. All righty. Lord have mercy, right? Did any of this make sense? It's all, but I, this is just, oh, Lord. I pray for people in this room. I pray for me, Lord. Lord, you want to create an atmosphere of celebration. Lord, it, you know, it says in your presence is fullness of joy. Lord, our chief desire in this church is your presence. So, Lord, our chief desire is this to be a joyful place because you're here, Lord. Lord, if you're not here, there's not going to be joy. Lord, I... The world needs your joy. That's what the Christmas story says. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Joy to the world. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. The Lord has come. Hey, that's what the greatest birth announcements there ever was. Joy to the world. The Lord. Think about that. He didn't say, whoa, y'all are in trouble because God has showed up. And he's mad because you're sinners. That was not the birth announcement. It was joy to you guys because He has come and He's going to fix some things. He's going to do some things. You're going to remark, you're going to marvel at Him. And He wants to remind us of that. And He wants us to enter into what the Bible says, to enter into the joy of the Lord. That's because at His right hand are pleasures evermore. And I pray God will just... Empty us of all our religious thoughts and help us to begin to experience the joy of the Lord. Amen. Woo, have mercy, Lord. Whose birthday? A happy birthday. <laughs> One of my favorite things um, that I talk about in the grace message when I teach it, is in the Presbyterian Catechism, they teach this, that man's chief aim is to enjoy God. Isn't that right? And we make it so religious. But really, our chief aim is just to hang out with him and enjoy him. Isn't that awesome? Why don't you stand up? And uh, I was laughing over there because Byron talking about little babies just look at their parents and Yesterday, Grace and I were in the car riding down the road, and little Oliver, who's turned, he just turned a year old, he's a preemie, Grace has had a cold, and she's kind of hocking up some stuff, and all of a sudden, we hear him back there going, 
<laughs> I was like, we just died laughing because he's not even talking, but he just mimics. And we were just thinking, did he just do that? <laughs> I know that's kind of gross, but <laughs> if you had a cold, you know what they're talking, what that's like. But so let's just, you know. You know, churches develop a culture, and they can become cultish. And I've really asked the Lord that River Life would not do that, Um, that we would just all be who we really are and not develop some kind of weird atmosphere here around religion, that we could just, people come in, they just see people just being people. And I think the only real way we can do that is by really enjoying the Lord and joy. And so I think too many of us are serious. We think it takes seriousness to really be a Christian. But really, I, this message this morning was just impacting me, just like fresh air in my lungs, because I just am seeing joy. It's about joy of the Lord. It is. So let's just reach out and ask the Lord for that this morning. Lord, we want the joy of the Lord to come down. We want the joy of your joy to shift everything in our life, Lord God. We want that fruit of the Spirit joy that we've overlooked. Lord, we thought the fruit of the Spirit was seriousness. Lord God, we just say we want to just no longer think that makes us spiritual, Lord. We want the joy of the Lord to come down and change and shift us, Lord. And we reach out for that right now and say it's ours. Lord, we don't have to work for it. We don't have to strive for it. Lord, it's just ours, and we receive it right now. And, Lord, we just want to have smiles on our faces that are real. Lord, they're not fake, old fake Christian smiles that are just, oh, sick. Lord, we just say, let the real joy come now. Thank you, Lord. And we want to just say, let the worship team come forward. I mean, the worship start ministry team come yeah we want to pray for you this morning if you're sick we believe the joy of the lord can heal you this morning so anybody who really needs hands laid on them for being sick and any needs you might have and we're just saying be blessed just go forth in the joy of the lord today isn't it great isn't that great give give fire a hand that was a great message honey it's really good We love you guys. Y'all have a good week. And um, just go out. Be led forth in peace and break forth in joy. Thank you, Lord. Amen.